2: Greening with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
0: And I'm delighted that you are with me here as we head into the weekend, a weekend that I know I looked forward to for a very long time. We had a football game last night and it counted. we got a whole bunch more of them this weekend. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. My friend Ryan Clark will join me in a second on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Talk about last night's game. Look ahead to this weekend and a whole lot more. RC, one of the funniest people you'll ever meet. And I just want to mention, if you're not playing DraftKings, you should be. You can download the DraftKings app and use my name, Grinny, as the code. You'll get a free shot at a million dollars and millions more that are up for grabs this weekend with your first deposit. Minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I opened the show this morning as I bring my friend Ryan Clark into the conversation. RC, I opened here as I did on TV this morning by saying the Kansas City Chiefs look, if anything, better than they did a year ago and assuming they will be better still a month from now because everybody will, what reason is there to believe the Kansas City Chiefs aren't clearly the best team in the National Football League right now? What do you think?
1: There absolutely absolutely is no reason, to be honest, Greeny. When you look at what this team brought back and what they've added, I think they're better at the running back position now that they have Clyde Clyde Edwards-Hilaire I think they're better defensively than they started the last season. And you saw some young defensive backs and cornerbacks step up last night under immense pressure, under a huge challenge with Deshaun Watson, and play extremely well. You watched this team rush the passer like we didn't really see during the regular season last year. And so when you combine those things with the greatness of Andy Reid, with the greatness of Steve Spagnola, Eric DeEnemy, it's no reason to believe that this team – won't hoist the sticky Lombardi at the end of the season again. And it kind of makes me think about what Tyreek Hill said in the offseason when he was talking about chasing six because the Chicago Bulls had six. Obviously, you should be just chasing Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. This team could be putting together that type of dynasty. When you have the foresight at the 32nd pick in the draft to go get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and understand what he can add to your team, how you can now become a power-running football team and win a game without Tyreek Hill stretching the field. That's just how versatile and explosive and great this offense is. And when they play defense like they did last night and make themselves hard to beat over the top, I don't necessarily think there's a team in the NFL that could compete with them when they play at their highest level.
0: Well, you bring up an excellent point, and this came up on the show today, and you used it as an opportunity to make fun of me and the Jets, and I resent that, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, I, but I decided not to cancel this appearance as a result of it. But, but you know, the Patriots always did that. The Patriots always picking 31st and 32nd found exactly what they needed. The great organizations seem to do that. They find other teams get a dead wrong with the sixth pick in the draft. And these teams find a way to get exactly what they need, which leads me to ask you, how the hell is Clyde Edwards-Alaire still there 32nd <laughs> in his draft after I watched
1: him last night? How does that happen? Well, I think, one, the the premium is not put on running backs anymore, and especially isn't put on running backs who don't have Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley-like measurables. And so when you look at a guy like Clyde, he didn't start until his junior year at LSU. He's also only 5'7". He only ran 4'6". So some of those eye-popping things from a testing standpoint, he doesn't have. So when you have an organization, you have a GM like Brent Beach who understands what they need to fit their, their their way of playing, what they need to fit their style, they know how to go out and pinpoint those athletes. And when you're Patrick Mahomes and you get a text at the 31, 31st pick that only, that only says, Clyde, question mark, and you say yes, hmm. that's how you know that the whole organization is tied in and they understand how they're going to win. They're going to win because they have the best quarterback in the world, and they're going to surround him with the weapons that they need to be successful. And that's why you get Clyde at 32, but you also saw him work within the offense that was very similar. He played with the best quarterback in college football. He's now playing with the best quarterback we've ever seen. He played with the wide receiver that went first round in Justin Jefferson, who was a star, who wasn't even the best receiver on the team because his teammate, Jamar Chase, will be a top five pick next year. And then you put him into this type of scheme, this type of system with these type of weapons, he understands how to fit and his role to play. And we saw that very early, very often last night, But we have to give Eric the Enemy and Andy Reid credit. When you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, the tendency would be, let's just throw it all around the yard and kill people. No. They gave him small boxes, they gave him short boxes, and dared them to run and be powerful, and they were able to do that. This team is unstoppable from an offensive standpoint.
0: Greeny and Ryan Clark, and again, RC, and you made the point that today, uh, on get up that it was a particularly impressive performance by andy Reid as the coach considering he couldn't see i mean what, what, are, what, what, what you, you did a great job we do a, a wonderful feature uh, every week with ryan in which he explains his tweets his twitter feed is hilarious and fun and funny and you did a very funny tweet last night about something all of us noticed which is that his mask his, his shield was fogged up the entire night, is that something they don't practice? I mean, football teams go through every conceivable thing getting ready. How does he have that thing fogged up like that for the game last night?
1: Hey, hey, you know what? I think it's the mustache, right? The mustache obviously in some way contorts his breath to where it's not necessarily hitting the shield in the proper manner. I'm sure it was some of the humidity in the Kansas City air at the nighttime that did that. Listen, I thought it was hilarious. I mean, I don't know if there's a coach that's easier to love than Andy Reid. Andy Reid, for all of his genius, for all of his success, every time you get an opportunity to hear him speak, he's so humble. He's always giving everyone else around him the credit for his success, for his team doing well. And it's always just funny as hell in those Tommy Bahama shirts. So I thought, after finally winning his Super Bowl, being the only show in town to have his shield fogged up all night, and not one person on that team Not one person in the organization, go help Andy out. That is just, it's uncalled for, and it cannot (laughs) happen. It is unacceptable. In a world where Nick Saban has a guy walk around, hold the wire to his headphones, and have a glass of water in their hand for him, we couldn't get one person to wipe off the reigning Super Bowl champ's head coach's shield so Mm -hmm. he was able to see the field. It is unacceptable, Greeny, and this is why Andy Reid is one of the greatest coaches of all time. He can coach a game literally blind.
0: I'm with you. Jerry Jones has someone wiping his glasses in the skybox. He doesn't even have to see what's going on. Andy Reid is trying to call plays. I'll tell you my favorite, RC, my favorite Andy Reid story. When he was the coach in Philly, Mike and I used to go do the show, Mike and Mike, there oh, we were there a million times. M- M- Golik is beloved in Philly. And we would go, and Andy Reid would show up 6 o'clock in the morning, wherever we were, and one time he comes, and he's got, he's got a bag, and he's got three cheesesteaks in it. And he sits down, he puts, he puts one in front of himself, one in front of Golic, and one in front of me. And I said, that's so nice of you, Coach. At 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm not going to eat that. And he said, oh, I was counting on that. And he took it, and he and Golic split it. And that, is, that remains my favorite Andy Reid story. That <laughs> he ate a, a cheesesteak and a half at our show at I 6 o'clock in you. the morning. Yeah, that's Andy Reid. I mean, he he is genuinely the way he appears. All right, so let's get to the next thing because it's only one game, but I am a professional overreactor. How the hell did the Texans trade away DeAndre Hopkins? I, I mean, I, We said it at the time, and then you thought, well, maybe there's some genius behind this that we're not able to identify. And then you watch Deshaun Watson, who's not able to identify anybody in his own uniform who's open, and you think to yourself, you know, <laughs> what they could really use is the best receiver in the whole NFL, <laughs> but they traded him away. I mean, what, what, Art Ryan Clark, what?
1: I mean, how do, you, how do you defend that decision? If you're Bill O'Brien and you watch the game, Last night, obviously, I go into the game thinking, okay, what will they have up their sleeve with all of these speed receivers on the outside, a dual threat running back in David Johnson. I was like, I know Bill O'Brien has something for us. He was great at Penn State, great at New England. I can't wait to see it. And then he was like, do, 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 do. Because nothing <laughs> happened. Nobody got open. No one created separation. It was like watching the 2019 New England Patriots try to run routes. And we remember remember all the excuses people made for Tom Brady last year. He's still one of the greatest in the games. His His teammates can't get open. That's exactly what we saw with Deshaun Watson. He set Deshaun Watson up to fail in this contract. There is no way with that type of weaponry, with the way that this team is being run offensively, that Deshaun Watson can show he is worth that money. He's going to be running for his life. He's going to have to take sacks. And he's going to have to hope that he can stay healthy and not try to do too much because last night was pathetic. On a team, playing against Kansas City, a team that is not known for defense, not known for secondary play outside of Tyron, Tyron Matthews, to not be able to create separation green, to not be able to get open, to not be able to dial up one play that gave the Houston Texans a free runner, that's unacceptable. That's bad coaching. That's bad, that's bad GM decisions, and it's going to be a bad team throughout the season. And if this is just the start of it, and they don't get better, and I mean get better fast, this team will be out of the playoff hunt within a, year, a month and a half into the season.
0: I agree. Ryan Clark with me, presented by Progressive Insurance. He's on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. One thing I've noted from you as we look around the league a little bit, RC, here for a minute, um, I've noted, because Ryan was on with me three times this week, you love Minnesota. Let's talk about that for a minute. I I have been struck by how high on the Vikings you are. Not everyone is. Tell me why you are.
1: Listen, I watched this team down the stretch last year, and I looked at Dalvin Cook. To me, Dalvin Cook should be spoken of in the same breath as the Christian McCaffrey, as the Ezekiel Elliott, the Saquon Barkley. He's that type of player. And now you add Gary Kubiak to the mix, who really was the originator of what we see in San Francisco right now. And when Kirk Cousins is the best, he's the best when the run game leads, he's protected, and he can get in the play-action passes. But we also saw him make some huge plays in critical moments last year. He outplays Drew Brees down the stretch in the Superdome last year. I believe that was a step he needed to take. I trained Cam Dantzler, who's going to be one of the starting corners for the Minnesota Vikings, which people feel like they'll be able to attack. He won't. That guy's 6'2", that guy's fast, he's ranging, he's giving Adam Thielen hell throughout this whole training camp. Now you look at losing Diggs, Stephon Diggs. You add Justin Jefferson, one of the best route runners in college football last year who was an in instant plug-and-play guy. I think this team has everything you need. Danil Hunter on that defensive line is one of the most underrated players in the league, and he's a two-time Pro Bowler. And now you add Yannick and Indakwe with linebackers that are sideline to sideline, This team has everything that you need to win. They also have a no-nonsense coach in Mike Zimmer. I expect this team to win the NFC North, And when it gets down to the end of the season, we're going to be looking at them in a divisional playoff saying, Minnesota has a great opportunity to win this game and be in the NFC Championship. This is the year they take the next step, Green. If not this year, then it will not happen. I'm expecting big things from the Vikings, and it starts with beating the Packers this week.
0: Yeah, that's a huge game. Aaron Rodgers up there. Quickly, before I let you go, who else? Who else are you super high on? We obviously love Kansas City. You're very high on the Vikings. Is there anyone else that isn't obvious that the whole world isn't high on that you think is going to be really good this year?
1: For me, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are, you cannot count them out from winning the AFC North. If Ben Roethlisberger is close to what we see him at top form, this team has an excellent defense, a above, championship defense a defense that can win you games with quarterbacks named duck they have a run game by committee they have really good weapons on the outside that are young that are explosive that showed us yards after the catch you had ebron to that and then now you look at the buffalo bills who i think are what the new england patriots were last year defensively but better offensively josh allen's a young cam newton we have digs who now you've added as the number one who can beat man-to-man coverage where Josh Allen struggles. And you have a team that is ascending and also young. I think the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Stills are going to surprise a ton of people this year, and they can easily, at the end of the season, be looking at you with 11 or 12 wins, even hosting playoff games.
0: Awesome. Ryan, it was a terrific week. Thank you so much for everything, my man. I will see you next week. Thanks, R.C.
1: See you on Monday, Green.
0: All right, that's Ryan Clark with me again on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas, giving you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear testing using SAE 5W30. He's one of my absolute favorite people, and, um, and his insight is phenomenal, and you can hear it there, the, the level of detail. His, and he, he knows so many of these guys personally because he does train them. You may have heard him reference that. He loves Minnesota. That feels like a huge game to me. Green Bay, Minnesota is a huge game. There are so many monster division games. He mentions Buffalo. Buffalo plays the Jets. It's funny. Well, not so funny. It's amazing how much difference a year can make. A year ago, the Bills and Jets opened. The Jets were the home team. The Jets had the new coach. They had the new superstar in Le'Veon Bell. They had the new star on defense. They paid all this money, C.J. Mosley. And and I think it was it was the Jets and their fans who I think were fe- feeling a lot of optimism. And I didn't really think much about Buffalo at all. And the Bills came from 19 nothing down to win that game. And now we saw what wound up happening with the rest of their seasons. And there were the Bills in the playoffs. And now you fast forwarded a year later and the teams are meeting again this weekend in Orchard Park. And I told you earlier, someday when I write my autobiography as a Jet fan, it's going to be called We Never Win in Buffalo. And it is the bills that everyone is super high on because that defense is great. And they went out and they got the extra weapon for the quarterback. And let's see if he takes the next step to me. That's the big question mark. If Josh Allen takes the next step, they drafted him in a spot expecting him to be great. And they went out and they got him a great receiver. Stephon Diggs is a great receiver. If the quarterback takes the next step, then put the bills right in there in the discussion with the better teams in the conference. And I totally agree on Pittsburgh. You, I told you yesterday, if you were with me at the time, that uh, I picked Pittsburgh to win the AFC North. I think they win that division ahead of Baltimore. If you miss that, if you miss anything on the show, I, I want to remind you of our podcast. Every single day, there is a podcast. It's just called Hashtag Greeny. You find it all your usual places. It's broken up into each of the two individual hours of the show. And and maybe, you know, right now when we're on, is if it's not the perfect time for you every single day, there's always a ton to catch up on. We have great guests. We have... Great conversations as we head into the football season. We will be jam-packed so you can hear both hours of the show posted daily as a podcast that is available wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I need you to listen carefully.
0: I just want you to know. All right, so there's something I just, in this case, I don't want you to know it. I feel like I need you to know it because a very awkward thing happened yesterday and I need some advice. And like most people, I turn to advice from strangers on Twitter. So I'd like you to tweet at me, use the hashtag Greeney, how I should have handled this situation and how it should be handled now. So we're talking about the podcast. So Bubba, every day when the podcast is posted, when it goes up, Bubba has to do something that enables the podcast to become available to you wherever you would like to listen to it. Bubba will text me to inform me. That it has been posted. In fact, if I look on my my texts right now from Bubba, I bet you there are seven or eight of them in a row that just say posted. And, you know, we don't all have a a ton of time in our lives. So I usually, I used to be someone who would write back okay or thanks. I used to to text, I think we talked about this years and years ago on Mike and Mike. I used to text with punctuation because it sort of offended my sensibility when people didn't. But I've given up on that. I've long since given up on that. I've now actually gone to where I don't even type letters if I can avoid it. I do that thing where you highlight. I don't know what the name of this feature is, but where you highlight what it is that he texted me. So he texted me the word posted and I hit the little thumbs up arrow. I'm just giving him a thumbs up. He doesn't need any more information than that for me. I don't need to take any more time than that. I can just put my thumb on it. I can let it become lit up whatever thing that, and then boom, I give him the thumbs up and we're done here. And that's my entire correspondence with Bubba. But yesterday I may have done it a little bit too quickly. And the thumbs up is right next to the heart. And yesterday, accidentally, in response to Bubba telling me that the podcast has been posted, I think I responded by telling Bubba I love him. I don't know any other way to interpret the heart thing. I only ever heart a text to my wife or my kids because it feels to me like I'm saying, okay, love you. Like I'm acknowledging I received this and I love you. And so, because there's no, there's no other connotation for the heart there. It seems to me if you're just trying to say, oh, I like what you just texted me. You just give the thumbs up. That seems like enough. There needs to be a little more nuance, I think, in these options. But so, Bubba, when you received the heart from me, what was your reaction? Well, you know, we've been doing this show for a
2: couple weeks now, and uh, we're still trying to get into the rhythm of posting the podcast. And, uh, you know, it's kind of been hectic after the show. And yesterday was actually the quickest I got the podcast out. And so I texted you, you know, the earliest I ever did. And when you sent back, you loved it. I was like, "Okay,
0: nice." <laughs> he loves me today.
2: I was like, "Oh, sweet." Hey,
0: so well, you did, I'm, gl- I'm glad you appreciate it. To be clear, you did not interpret that as my response being "Okay, Bubba, thanks, love you."
2: No, because it, it actually shows up as um, it says "loved it." So well, normally, that's what that says. Yeah. On the other so normally, okay. when it normally when you give me a thumbs up, it says, you "No, know, Mike Greenberg liked it." And then when you did this one, it says Mike Greenberg loved it. So, loved it. So, you're, so it, yeah, it specifies You didn't say it. you
0: loved me. You loved it. I see. So the message that comes up doesn't say Mike Greenberg loves you. Correct. It says Mike Greenberg loves it. Right. Okay. I'm a little more comfortable with that. Right. That said, I would still like to know. If I should have undone the love, yeah, I did. And resent, I, did, well, did. I didn't
2: Well, you kind of did. I did not notice all of a sudden it quickly
0: shifted over to like. Well, I felt like I'd been caught in a moment. I like, oh no, I loved it, so I very quickly yeah. then thumbed up it <laughs> yeah. because I thought I can't, ha- I can't let that stay. I, like, I can't my, just allow that to stay. Where my love go? Yeah, I, I tried to, but but I didn't. I didn't feel it erased the love. It didn't. It didn't replace the love. No, it, it just was it, on top. It replaced
2: of it. it. It replaced it.
0: I both loved and liked it. So, I don't know. The whole thing just left me with a very uncomfortable feeling, and I just wonder if that's something that anyone else can relate to because, Bubba, you know, I think you do a terrific job, and I like you very much. But I, I, I did not mean to say, Bubba, thank you for your outstanding work. I love you. Well, I look forward to getting the
2: podcast out as quickly as I can today and, and seeing what kind of message I get back. All right, let's see.
0: Um, I, we really, I, In fact, I would like to redesign the options on that uh, what are those called they're not emojis what is the word for that Wh- whatever the word for those things is i would like to redesign them anyway we'll talk about that more as we continue tweet at me use the hashtag greenie let me know uh your thoughts on this ridiculousness
3: greenie
2: the
0: podcast
3: this show is sponsored by better help we all carry around different stressors i do you do we all do
0: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Use hashtag Greeny to get a hold of me. Just tweet using that hashtag and I'll see it. Lake Zan tweets at me. Greeny, I love the accidental heart talk on your show today. At least yours said loved it on the other side. I accidentally sent the heart emoji flying up the right side of the screen over and over again to someone that I hardly knew when all I meant to do was send a thumbs up. See, these things shouldn't be as complicated as they are. Um, there was another one I liked here, uh, Steve tweets, today you need to respond, uh, Bubba, they're suggesting that I respond to you with a bunch of like googly-eyed emojis and things like that, and so there's a lot of, a lot of fun response for this here, and then King Co. tweets at me, Green, you're way too young to be that confused about liking or loving a text, King Co., I disagree, I'm not confused about anything, I accidentally hit the wrong button, and the way I always use that button, it is to say I love you, now, Perhaps that's not the way it is used by others, but that felt like the right way to use it to me. Anyway, uh, please keep the responses coming. It's fun. I'm going to get into something a little more serious now, but I would. I love having those kinds of conversations because, frankly, right now, I think we could all use them. I'm Greeny, and we're presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Um, I assume you saw what happened before the game last night. The Chiefs players, all save for one, stood during the playing of the anthem. The Texans players remained in the locker room and then came out after. Then the members of both teams came together and locked arms in what they described, self-described, as a show of unity. You had Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson in the middle and all the rest of the players stretched out across the middle of the field and they're locking arms in unity. And what was unmistakable was the fact that some people in the crowd, there's no way to know exactly how many, and of course there were far fewer people there than normal anyway, were booing. And as Bart Scott said on my show today, how do you boo unity? Who's against that? The whole stick to sports thing, which started four or five years ago, I was right in the middle of it. And Mike and I were on four hours a day every morning talking about sports and talking about Colin Kaepernick and talking about their response to Colin Kaepernick. And that's where that all began. And here's the thought that I've always had. Most people, I believe, when they say stick to sports really mean stop talking about things I don't agree with. Stop saying things I don't agree with. Because no one tells me to stick to sports when I joke around about the heart emoji that I accidentally sent to Bubba. No one ever told Mike and me to stick to sports when he was stuffing as many donuts in his mouth as he could, and we were all trying to guess what he was trying to say. No one said, hey, guys, stick to sports. So stick to sports doesn't really mean stick to sports. Stick to sports means stop saying things I don't agree with. And I get that. And I understand the times in which we live, and I understand the feelings that people have. But I guess I would ask, and I'm not going to assume that 5,000 or so people in Kansas City represent America. That's just some people behaving however they saw fit in that moment. But how do you boo unity? These are a bunch of players coming together during really challenging and complicated times, to say we would like to be together and try and help make the world a better place in ways that mean everything to them. I'm not sure how you boo that. And what I will say is be used to it. Get used to it because you're going to have that in sports now for the foreseeable future. I've talked to a lot of players. I talk to former players on my show every single day. These are people of extraordinary integrity, and this is more important to them than winning. What, is, what we are talking about is more important to them than winning. I understand all many people want is for them to worry about winning. But in the same way that you, as you listen to me right now, are about far more than just what you do, so are they. And whether you agree or disagree with what it is they're saying, in this country I think we respect people's right to say it. And so I will tell you, sitting alone on a couch, watching that moment and hearing the boos unmistakable through the TV, I felt very discouraged because we've arrived at a place now where we're booing unity. How in the world are we against that? Today is September 11th. Nineteen years ago today it was the worst day I've ever lived through. I remember the unity. Every single day I get every single year on this day, I get te- uh, tweets and notes and emails and I still get them. I've got them today from people saying that Mike and Mike was where they first heard about the tragic events of September 11th, 2001. Mike and I were on the air. The first plane flew into the towers and we thought it was just a terrible accident that had happened. And then suddenly a second plane flew into the towers and we realized we were experiencing something the likes of which we had never seen before. And there are so many things I remember about that, as we all do. But the one I remember the most, the thing I remember the most is the unity. I remember how we all came together. I did a TV special about it two years ago because of a, an exhibit at the 9-11 Memorial and Museum in, in New York City, down at the, the location of the World Trade Center. They did an exhibit called Comeback Season that I helped create based upon the role that sports played in bringing our country back together or bringing our country back from this tragedy that had befallen us. And it was beautiful. And to go back and relive it, everything from the home run Mike Piazza hit to the pitch that President Bush threw to all the other moments that are indelible for all of us who lived through it, It was about unity. So to have people booing unity was pretty discouraging. Any day of the year. That's how I felt last night. And then while we're talking about September 11th, I will just say. I don't know anyone from New York who didn't know someone who died that day. But I know that for me, my life has gone on and I mark this day as a solemn remembrance of what was a horrible tragedy. But I'm well aware that there are people who live the rest of their lives from that day forward, and I know some of them, who will live the rest of their lives from that day forward with holes in their lives that will never be filled. Fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and husbands and wives, sons and daughters, who will miss people that will never come back as a result of that day. And so everything we do on this day, we do for you and we hope that you find some peace in the love that we send. And that feels like enough to say about that. I, I I don't want to conflate the two because they have nothing to do with each other, but there was something about the notion of unity last night that really rubbed me the wrong way. All right. We will uh, lighten the tone. I-, I would like to talk much more about football, and that's what I will do in a moment. I will give you some of my picks for the weekend. We'll look ahead to some of the better games uh, on what should be a very important week one, and we'll look back on last night on one team getting everything right and one team that I think is clearly getting at least some of it wrong. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny, with you as we head towards the weekend, and it should be a great weekend in sports. Very quickly, I'd like to tell you, if you have a few minutes spare this weekend, I'd love you to watch my new show. It is called Better Days, B-E-T-T-O-R. It's on ESPN+. The second episode dropped yesterday. There are two episodes that are available for you now on ESPN+. There are stories not so much about gambling as about gamblers, people who had crazy experiences, some of them great, some of them not so great, as a result of gambling winning and losing, they're a lot of fun. The pieces are only about fifteen or sixteen minutes long, so you don't need a lot of time. If you have some time, I would love you to watch it and let me know what you think. Better days, B E T T O R days on ESPN Plus. Okay, before we look at the football games this weekend, let's quickly go through the basketball situation tonight. Game seven, Toronto Boston. No one is home. They're in the bubble, um, and the winner gets Miami in the East Conference Final. I remain. Mystified that this series is where it is. If you have watched it, and I have practically every minute, Boston should be up six games to none in, in a best of seven. They, they were the better team, I thought, in all six games. So I cannot for the life of me fathom that they are not going to win this. I, I, I mean, it's the ultimate crapshoot. They've lost a million games. The way they lost game three was unbelievable on that last half a second shot. But they are the better team. I have to believe they will win. I give so much credit to the Raptors who are well coached and gutsy and defending Kyle Lowry. Um, But I think it comes to an end tonight and then it'll be Boston and Miami. That's my prediction in the Eastern conference finals. And then out West, I think that by the time we reconvene on Monday, we will be down to the matchup that we've been waiting for all along. The battle for LA, you know, it's a shame they can't move it and play it in LA, but we all understand the circumstance play at 3000 miles away in the bubble Lakers Clippers. I think both those teams will advance through this weekend. They are the better teams. They are by far the best teams. I think they are the two best teams Um, and they will meet to decide the Western conference championship and, and, uh, excuse me, they will work their way through this and then ultimately meet to play in the Western conference final. So we'll look forward to recapping last night quickly, which we've done a lot on this morning. Kansas city is great. And Houston traded away their best player. And that's exactly what it looked like last night. Kansas City look like a team that is great, with a brilliant quarterback, and like all really good organizations, they find ways to get better. They take Clyde Edwards-Alaire with the 32nd and final pick of the first round, and he wants phenomenal for them because that's what great organizations do, and that's how you stay good. So they're not just good, they're going to stay good. So the Chiefs are the best team in the sport by far. and The Texans look like a team that traded away their best player. They've made the playoffs for the last five years under uh, Bill O'Brien. That streak is coming to an end. Let me go through some of the other games here. Um, I'll try and look at the divisional games. Jets at Bills. The Bills are a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I think the Jets will cover that. I think the Jets are going to play well. If I had to bet money that mattered to me on that game, I would not bet the Jets would win it straight up. But I believe the Jets will cover that spread. I think it'll be a close, low-scoring game. Divisional games. Bears at Lions. Lions. Lions are a three-point favorite at home. I think I like the Lions in that game, but nothing would surprise me. Again, this is going to be a weekend filled with unusual results, and there be nothing particularly unusual about Trubisky playing well in that spot. I think I like the Lions though better. I think the Lions, I think the Lions have a chance to have a sneaky good season. I keep saying it. Matt Stafford was having a borderline MVP caliber season when he got hurt last year, and then everything just apart around them, I think the Lions will win that game, and I would give the three points. I'm just going to do the divisional games. Packers at Vikings. Uh, Minnesota is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. That's an interesting line. I would have thought it would be a little more. I think the Vikings are the better team, and I think they ultimately win the division, but I do like Green Bay here. I just feel like Rogers is going to play a great game. Just call it a feeling. I think Rodgers, with all the nonsense that happened this summer, before injuries start to hurt every team and and the Packers can't overcome them because they don't have enough offensive weapons, they'll run it with Jones and Aaron uh, Rodgers will find a play or two to make that will decide it. i like the Packers to win that game straight up. I have Green Bay winning on the road, straight up. Dolphins and Patriots. New England is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I love the Patriots. Again, nothing could be more them than getting Cam Newton for absolutely nothing and him being phenomenal, it's a huge disadvantage to Miami not having seen them at all. We literally have no idea what that offense is going to look like. Everyone that I talk to thinks it's going to be good. I can't imagine that it isn't going to be at least a little bit good. So I will take the, the Patriots and I will give the points. The Patriots will cover the number at six and a half. Eagles at Washington. It's not even a question. I think the Eagles win that in a rout. This is going to be a very long year in Washington. Very. And the Eagles, if their offensive line is okay, I've got the Eagles winning that division. I think Carson Wentz, if he's healthy, is an MVP candidate. So I definitely like the Eagles there on the road, and I would give the five and a half. Uh, looking down here at some of the other games, a uh, Buccaneer Saints I should do. I, I, the, the combined ages of the quarterbacks is 84. Tom Brady and Drew Brees combined are 84 years old, and so I'm going to predict that that's how many points are going to be scored in this game. Brady, the 43-year-old quarterback, his team will score 43. Breeze, the 41-year-old quarterback, his team will score 41. And that's the way it'll go. I've got the Bucks, who are a three-and-a-half-point dog on the road, winning. And then finally, the Sunday night game, Cowboys-Rams. Dallas is a three-point road favorite. I like the Cowboys to win that game. And I like Zeke Elliott to have a huge week. I like Zeke Elliott for 150 yards on the ground. Thank you for being with me today and all week long. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy all the sports, and I will see you back here Monday. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio.
2: Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get
1: Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.